1988, I was ordained as a deacon at Mount, at uh, the church in Lubbock, Texas. And two years after that, uh, Brother Mike Rogers and I were ordained as ministers. And in that ordination service, uh, we were asked to set up in the front. Brother Asa has been there. He's experienced that. Uh, Brother Mark experienced it as a deacon. And in the ordination, part of the service was that there was a charge that was given to me in the ministry. The same charge was given Brother Asa. The same charge was given to Brother Mark when he was called to serve as a deacon. The same charge given to Brother Steve Parker. And there, the charge that's given is uh, an exhortation about what God's uh, word has to say about our role to fulfill. Yesterday was a great blessing. Every time we meet and serve the Lord, it's a great blessing. But I noticed that there were about eight or ten young men in the service at the New York meeting. And they all sort of fell between the ages of uh, Brother Tim, Brother Danny, Brother Luke and in that age group. And I thought that the Lord chose about 12 men. And those 12 were called and they were from a variety of backgrounds. But God used those 12 men to turn the world upside down. And to think that God couldn't use a handful of men to make a difference in his kingdom, in his church. And God gives specific instruction to young men. There's instruction in God's word to young women. And so if you're a young woman that's here, uh, I, I don't want you to think, well, this is not for me and I can go ahead and, and leave. You need to hold on and listen to the message if this is of the Lord, because this is the kind of husband that you're going to want to find. This is the kind of husband that you're going to look for. This is the kind of husband that you're going to pray that God will give you to provide for your family and to be a husband to you and a father to your children. Because God's word is specific about that. So God gives a charge to young men. And we'll start with 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. There are five things right here that are given as a charge on how to be the right kind of young man. How to be the right man. He gives five things that are taught right here. Did you know that you're not going to find out how to be the right kind of a young man out in the world. You're not going to be taught oftentimes by many examples that are out in the world. In fact, uh, in the world oftentimes, the role of a father and a husband is, is, is mocked and made light of that the dad is some uh, stupid individual that doesn't really have any knowledge about what he's doing. He doesn't know what he's about. And, and, and it's, it, it gives a, uh, a distorted view of the role of a husband and a father. But God's word is very clear about how that you can be the right kind of young man. And he gives us about five things right here that he mentions. Now, first of all, there is a difference between young men and young women. There's a big difference. Uh, Brother Andrew Franklin won the beard contest. He did. 
several announced a while back that there was a beard contest and Brother Andrew Franklin won the beard contest. There's clearly a difference between a young man and a young woman. I, I haven't seen any young women that have even applied for the beard contest. God made them completely different. Not only outwardly, there's a number of other differences. But not only outwardly did God make you different from the women that he created. It says that God took from Adam the rib and he created from Adam woman. And there is a a big difference between a man and a woman. Even on the inside, there's a difference. The world would have you to think that you just kind of mix it all up together and that it's all the same. But God created you, if you're a man, God created you a man. And if you're a woman, he created you a woman. And God did it and had a purpose in doing it. And you have a role to fulfill as a young man and as a young woman. Now let's look at what he says right here. Watch ye, watch ye, stand fast in the faith. Number two, watch ye, number one, stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. If you don't grab anything else that we say this morning, this is for you. This is a charge for you. If you're a young man, this verse is for you. He says, quit you like men. What do you think that means? It just simply means stand up and be a man. Be a man because God has called you to be a man. Did you know that in the midst of this world in which we live, that if you will just fulfill the role of a man that God has called you to be, did you know you're going to stand out? You're going to make a difference. You're going to make a difference to the glory of God if you're simply fulfilling the role that God has called you to fulfill. Did you know I take seriously my role as a pastor? I haven't always got it figured out. I haven't always done the right thing. I haven't always been the right minister. I haven't always preached exactly like I always should have. But I take it seriously because I believe that my boss is the Lord. I believe that I am accountable to the Lord for if if I have a gift, if I have a calling, maybe that's still in question. You may still be trying to figure that out. But if I do have a gift or a calling, it's from God and my accountability is to God. And if God has made you a young man, you have an accountability to him to fulfill that role. You do. So you're accountable to God. Watch ye stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. You know, this is how God described it. Job thought that he wanted to talk to the Lord. Job thought, he thought he had a pretty hard road, and he did. He thought that things were a little bit harder for him than what they should have been. And Job, Job said he felt like that he was a, a, a target for the arrows of the Lord. And he says, you know what, I think I'd like to just talk to God about that. I don't really like the course that has come my way. And I think that I want to talk to to God about that. And do you know that Job, all of a sudden he had an audience to talk to God. And God called Job and he said, Job, gird up your loins like a man. He said, you come before me and you stand like a man. There's a difference between a man and a woman. 
And he says right here, you gird up your loins like a man. Job, when he came before God, he realized that he didn't have the ability to stand. And he put his hand over his mouth and he abhorred that he even desired an audience before God because he realized how sinful and weak that he was. But God used the term, he said, Job, you gird up your loins like a man. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men. Verse, uh, chapter, chapter, uh, chapter uh, 13, verse, verse, uh, verse 11 says, When I was a child, I spake as a child. I, I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. There comes a time in your life that you grow up. That you grow up and you turn from acting like a child, thinking like a child, into a man. I I think that all of our little boys are absolutely precious. Little Asa just sets a great example of encouragement for us. But there's a time to fulfill the role of a child like little Asa. And then there's a time to change and grow up and be a man. And that's what he's simply saying right here. He said, when I was a child, I spake like a child. I understood as a child. But he says, then I put away childish things and I became a man. All right. Five things. Watch ye. Here's five things that will encourage you. I hope it's encouraging to you. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men, be strong, and let all things be done with charity. Now, you might be thinking, well, that's a contradiction right there, and, and, and I'll just share some thoughts that I trust will be a blessing to you. Watch ye. God has called you to be spiritually on God in your life. Right now, the focus can be Primarily on you and your life and your accountability before your parents and before God. But there's going to come a time in your life that you have the God-given responsibility that you're to be watchful not only for your life, but you're to be watchful for your wife, for your children, for those that are around you, for those that God puts in your responsibility to provide for and watch for. But right now, you have the blessing, you have the opportunity to be watchful for yourself. You're accountable to your parents, you're accountable to God, but you can watch for your souls right now. It's great when young men stand out of the crowd... You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and how that they were uh, cast into the burning fiery furnace in Daniel chapter 3. And they said, we don't know whether God's going to deliver us or not, but we know that God is able to deliver us. And so just because everybody else is doing it, the three stood out in the midst of the crowd and they made a difference. They ended up, because of their stance and because of their position, they were cast into the burning fiery furnace. 
And yet, God was there with them, and God delivered them. But their example was an encouragement to those that were around. Now, I just was wondering about this. I don't know that it was always that it was Shadrach, I don't know if it was Meshach or if it was Abednego, that always were, were super strong. Might have just been one of them that encouraged the other two. Or it might have been two of them that encouraged the third one. There is a great blessing. There is a tremendous blessing. If you can band together, especially in your youth, and encourage each other. Don't try to stand against the fiery darts of Satan by yourself. If you can establish relationships with brothers, with, with older brothers in the, in the church... Uh, it, it, with folks that set the right example for you, with, with brothers in, in, that you worship with, if you can band together, then when one is weak, the other one's strong oftentimes. And they'll encourage you. I dare say I probably would not still be in the ministry today. I probably would not be. I'm being perfectly honest with you if I didn't have the encouragement of other brothers in the ministry. If I didn't have the encouragement of older ministers like uh, Elder Compton or Gus Harder or Elder Bradley or other ministers, that when I get down, they can hold up my arms and encourage me. And did you know that you're susceptible to the fiery darts of Satan? One of the greatest fiery darts that he gives uh, the older of us uh, is of discouragement. But one of the fiery darts that he gives young people in their youth is that of peer pressure. I remember asking uh, a minister that his son had made many wrong turns and, and it, it, it is, is, is in a terrible way even right now. And I asked this minister, I said, would you tell me, uh, in your opinion, how much of his decisions was, uh, was affected by peer pressure? And I thought he'd say 50 or 60 or 70%. He said 100%. You need somebody, you need some Shadrachs, Meshachs, and Abednegoes to help you to be accountable, but also to encourage you along the way. Daniel, in three verses over, uh, in three chapters over, was, uh, was cast into the lion's den, and yet Daniel was strong. And he said, it's, it's not a problem for my God to stay the mouth of the lion. And God did spare him. If you're looking for a way of escape in the midst of temptation, God has promised that he'll provide it for you. He will. In fact, when Daniel was delivered by God uh, staying the mouth of the lion, even those that accused Daniel as they were cast in, it says that the lions gobbled them up before, they, before their bones even hit the ground. So no doubt it was truly a miracle. And I'm telling you, God is there to bless you with deliverance and miracles along the way. Number one, watch ye. Be on guard for yourself and later be on guard for your wife, for your children. The second one that he mentions right here. Stand fast in the faith. Some of you have made a profession that you have a hope in Christ. Some of you have made a profession that you want to follow in gospel baptism. Some of you have made a profession that you believe the doctrines of grace. If God has shown that to you, be faithful to it all throughout your journey of life. 
in uh, Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, uh, he says, uh, if it seem evil unto you uh, to serve the Lord, choose this day whom ye will serve. But Joshua says, as for me and my house, did you know that God gives you as the husband, as the father, as the male, as the, the man to the, the privilege and the responsibility to set that example with your family, with your friends, with your children and other folks. Joshua says, as for me, I, I, don't, I, don't, I not, don't know about the neighbors down the street. I don't know about uh, other folks that I might work with. But he says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Did you know that the, the responsibility that God puts on your shoulders as being a man and a leader in your house is tremendous? It is. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going we're gonna to serve the Lord. Psalm 119 says, uh, how in the world is a young man going to stand fast? How in the world is a young man going to... He says right here, how's a, a young man in the midst of living in 2017 with all of the distractions, all of the enticements? Is it even possible for a young man to stand strong and in the faith of the Lord? How can a young man cleanse his way? Is it even possible? The psalmist writes in verse 9, he says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? He says, by taking heed thereunto according to thy word. A young man cleanses his way by looking to the word of the Lord as the guide. You're not going to find out how to be a proper young man on the internet. You're sure not going to find out how to be a proper young man watching TV. That, that, it, it's, I don't know of a station that will give you the clear picture of a proper young man. But the place you're going to find out how to be a proper young man before the Lord is in God's word. That's how you're going to find out. He says, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereunto. Did, did, did you know that, uh, that God has, uh, I know that, that, that sometimes primitive Baptists, that folks might think that we're sort of uh, outdated and archaic, and, and you may say, well, I'm, uh, when I get to be 18 or 21, I'm out of here. I'm going to find something that suits me just a little bit better. We try to follow the scriptures in our worship to the Lord. Did you know that God calls young men? If you go throughout the scriptures, God calls young men to be strong in the faith. And God entrusts young men to take his word and help other folks. God calls young men into the ministry. Now, it's the responsibility of the church to be praying that God's going to raise up ministers to proclaim the gospel. But if he raises up some men to preach the gospel, he's going to be doing it with a handful of folks just like this right here. And it's your responsibility to be praying that God will raise up young men. Mount Carmel doesn't make young men as preachers. The Lord does that. But we as brothers and sisters in the church talk to the Lord about it. 
The Lord is the one that raises up young men to, to preach the gospel, that will entrust them to preach the gospel. In fact, an old archaic verse that some would probably say are, are actually not in the scriptures. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse uh, 12, it says, uh, but, but I suffer not a woman to teach nor usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence in the church. That doesn't mean that uh, it's not the blessing of a woman to sing in the church. A woman is blessed with a lot of wisdom, a lot of understanding, a lot of light, and a lot of help. In fact, in, uh, Paul talks to Timothy. He says, Timothy, I remember something about your mother. And I remember something about your grandmother. I remember that you have the faith that your mother and your grandfather had. Your dad was a Greek, but he says, I remember your mother and I remember your grandmother and you have the same faith that they had. I'm thankful for godly grandmothers. My grandmother read the Bible to me when I was young and I'll always be thankful for that. She's the one that helped me to understand the doctrines of grace when I was young, but I never saw my grandmother in the pulpit. I never did, unless she was cleaning it. That's the only time that I ever, ever saw my grandmother there. I remember when uh, we went to Southampton, they'd ask us to come to a Thanksgiving service at the church up there, and it was myself and uh, Brother uh, 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 Mark Huffman, and in between us was uh, Caleb Stewart, and Caleb was five years old, and, and uh, they'd ask us to come and join a, a community Thanksgiving service, and they asked us to lead the prayer. And little Caleb had been brought up to understand that God calls men to preach the gospel. And so we had the prayer and there were folks there representing all churches in the community. And then all of a sudden they called on an individual to get up to bring the message. And it was a lady. And she started preaching or started bringing a message. And Caleb's eyes got about this big. And he looked over at me and he said, Brother Stephen, do you think she thinks she's preaching? God called you to bring the gospel message. We used to, first church I pastored in Crosbyton, Texas. Uh, sometimes it can be taken to an extreme, but, uh, and, I, and I believe that there's a tremendous role in the church for the women. Many, many, and we could go into that. But it's not to preach the gospel from the pulpit. A little church that I grew up in in Crosbyton, Texas, we had conference once a month. I don't encourage that. I'm thankful we don't do that. But we had an old couple there, Ernest and Jeannie, wonderful couple. But neither he couldn't hear, and and she did all the hearing for him, and and uh, and she pretty well made most of the decisions at the home, and it was very apparent of that. But when we'd be having conference, something would come up for a vote, and he couldn't hear, and she would tap him on the shoulder and she'd say, "Ernest, make a motion that we get a new hot water heater. Ernest, make a motion that we get a new air conditioner." She wasn't, she wasn't making that motion herself, and it probably would have been just fine for her to do that. But the, the role that she'd been taught is that she needed to go through earnest to make that motion. And so he'd always usually make whatever motion it was that, that was there. There's a tremendous role in the church that the women have. And what a great blessing. There's a tremendous role in the church... And in the home that women have. That only women can fill. 
Elder Compton said, and he was married 76 years, so he said this from experience and authority. He said, a man can build a house, but it takes a woman to make it a home. I can attest to that. You can come to my place, and uh, it's a place, as uh, one fellow that worked with me, he said, Mr. Steve, where do you stays? Well, I can tell you where I stays. But I tell you what, if I want to experience the blessing of a home, I go to where my mom and stepfather are. I go over to Sister Lee and Brother Tom's. Brother Don and Sister Rosalie. Brother and Sister Farrington. If you want to experience a home, it takes a woman to make a home. The next one. Quit ye like men. That's loaded. Since the fall in the garden, the arrangement that God has made that we are enabled to eat that we're enabled to provide for our families, for ourselves, is through a four-letter word that oftentimes we absolutely don't like. It's W-O-R-K. I talked to Brother Ralph and Sister Sue Chastain yesterday, and I told him, I said, uh, I've mentioned this before, he's 77, he's still uh, in Indiana, uh, has a cornfield, and he's still working, and she still puts up food and canned goods, and, and I said, you, you two are two of the hardest working folks that I know. He says, well, you know what, work just finds me. He said, I don't have to go looking for it. It just finds me. Did you know that if you have a desire to work, that God will bless you with an opportunity to work? John, you've got a job, don't you? Sure do. I'm proud of you. You sure do. Yeah. If you want to work, I guarantee you, God will give you an opportunity to work because he made you to work. He did. One time, Laura and Charlotte, I don't even see Charlotte now, but they said, tell us some old stories. Well, one of the oldest stories I could think of was my first job selling watermelons at five years old for a quarter apiece. I couldn't even pick up the watermelons. My granddad, I remember it just as vividly. My mother said, you're going to have a job. And I thought, a job? I remember granddad backing the pickup up and unloading a great big pickup load of watermelons in the front yard. And mother had a big sign made, watermelons for a quarter. And my job was to stand out there and take the quarters into the house. And that was my first job, selling watermelons in Seagraves, Texas. And I could go from there. The scripture says that a man that doesn't work shouldn't eat. Now, I don't know how many meals it'd take for us to miss before we'd realize that it's a pretty good idea for us to work. 
In fact, it also says that a man that will not provide for his own, he said, is worse than an infidel. What is an infidel? That's a pretty strong term. You look it up and it says that a man that will not provide for his own is worse than an infidel. That means an unbeliever. God has arranged that we work. And young men, you have a tremendous responsibility. Not to say that young women don't work. If you go over and read Proverbs chapter 31, it gives a great description of a godly woman. And it's not somebody that's laying around till noon in the house. It's somebody that's diligent. It's somebody that's up early. It's somebody that's diligent with her house and serving the Lord. So it's not just that that men are to work, but you are especially to work. And and, and you're not going to get that concept. People have the view in the world today that I'll do just the bare minimum to get by. Just the bare minimum in my job. Just, 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 I don't want to work one minute longer than what I'm supposed to work. Did you know that as a young man, with, with your boss being Christ, you ought to be uh, willing to go above and beyond? I, I believe that if, if, if a young man would listen, I believe that I could help any young man get a job. I believe I could. Hired a lot of folks. And I've got an idea of what to look for and what not to look for. And the, one of the first jobs that I got, my mother would take me up to the restaurant to wash dishes and, and I would go in and apply. And, and after about four stops, my mother said, what are you telling those folks? I was 14 years old trying to get a job washing dishes. Not that all of my jobs have been glorious. Some of them have not. And, and, and I said, well, I'm telling them that we've got two weeks vacation that we always take in July. I'm telling them that I want to go and spend a week with my grandparents. I'm telling them that I want Fridays off and that I'd like to come in late on Saturday. My mother said, the next place you go into, you tell them that you're willing to do anything they want you to, anytime they want you to. But you know what? I did that and I got a job. And I ended up doing a lot of stuff I didn't want to. I I have done a lot of things that I didn't want to do. Since being up here, I would uh, bid on some of those old row houses in Baltimore and one actually in Abingdon and at the courthouse steps and and, and got it. And it was was horrible. And Brother Mark Humes can testify to that. I didn't realize when I got it that I had the responsibility of going through the eviction process. And so I was thankful that we had a policeman in the congregation and Brother Mark went with me. He didn't have to exercise any influence. The, the person was gone when we got there and I was real thankful for that. But it was absolutely horrible. You probably remember it in Aberdeen. Rather than take the trash out to the dumpster, they'd been throwing it in the basement of the house. And it was just absolutely horrible. And I had a friend in Texas, and he said, well, how much will you make out of that? And I said, well, I hope to make something once I fix it up and try to sell it. Maybe I'll make a couple of thousand. Maybe I'll make three or four or five or maybe 10 or 15. I don't know. He said, well, I can tell you right now, it's not worth that to me. I just wouldn't do it. But I thought, you know what? That's $2,000 more than I would have had if I hadn't have done it. And at that time, that was the only opportunity that I had. You may not like the job that you have right now. There were times that I had to work on Sunday. But I'll tell you what. And there are times that I'm thankful for folks that are policemen. 
I'm thankful for folks that are firemen. I'm thankful for folks that are in the healthcare profession. And there are responsibilities for folks that do have to work on Sunday. But while you're working on Sunday, while you're working on Sunday, the whole time you're working on Sunday, you ought to be praying that God will provide you another opportunity where you don't have to work on Sunday. If you believe that this is the Lord's church and his truth and his doctrine and he's blessed you with that, your place is to be here in the Lord's house if you possibly can. It's not to say that sometimes the ox is in the ditch. That happens with, with all of us. Or the cow, right, Brother Justice? I mean, it could be something along that line, but that can happen. But generally speaking, if you have to work on Sunday, you ought to be praying that God would bless you to where you don't have to be work on Sunday. And you'd be amazed at how that God will open a door. I'll use your wife as, a, as an example. And I may miss some of the marks. Brother Mark can fill this in if I do. Brother Asa, Sister Carla went through nursing school and, uh, and, 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 and was well qualified to, to get a job. And, and uh, uh, was it Johns Hopkins that she applied at? Johns Hopkins. And they told her she had to work on Sunday. And she just said, I can't do that. And they said, well, you can't get a job anywhere if you're not willing to work on Sunday. Isn't that right? And within about a week, she had a job at University of Maryland, which I'd put up right there next to Johns Hopkins, if not above them at this point. God provided for her in a special way. And if that's your heart's desire, you may be in a job you don't like. You may be in a job that you, you, you really have to do some things you really don't enjoy. But all that time praying that God will provide another opportunity for you. And I believe that he will. God is your ultimate. God is your ultimate boss. I wish Jamie and Catherine were here. I miss them being here. Brother Tom said, can you believe the twins are now three years old? Wow. Jamie has about 12 to 15 more years to teach those little boys how to work. Did you know that the reason that a lot of young folks don't know how to work is they haven't been taught how to work? You can't expect a young person to never be exposed to work. And then all of a sudden, when they reach 18 years of age, you say, now you've got to work. You say, what do you mean got to work? They need to be taught that in their upbringing by example and by teaching in God's word. Work is honorable. In fact, there's a whole lot of satisfaction that an individual gets if you realize that God is your boss and that God is opening opportunities for you, there's a lot of gratification that you'll get over and above the pay. The pay is just going to help you cover the bills. And that can be a great blessing. But there's a great satisfaction that you'll get just for simply doing a good job. If you do a good job above and beyond, if you make a difference, God is going to give you a whole lot of satisfaction. Last week, we... Uh, we picked up Sister Perry, and uh, where's Laura? There she is. Laura helped pick up Sister Perry and brought her to church on the way. And, and, uh, and as we were traveling up to church 
136, we came up on a detour sign that said the road's closed. You can't go any further. And I thought, surely that doesn't mean us. And I pulled up and asked the, the person there. And I thought, well, how do we get to Mount Carmel if we can't go down 136? And they said, well, you've got to turn around and you've got to go down this road. And it was uh, Cool Spring over by where Brother Mark used to live. And so we went out by Cool Spring, enjoyed the beautiful drive, and, and then turned left on Thomas Run. And we were headed up to, 130, uh, to uh, Route 22 to get close to the church. And I said, oh, we're so close. I said, I want to take you by this house on Pennington Road. And it was just about a mile off of uh, Thomas Run Road. And I said, let's go by this house. I said, the parents that live in this house, uh, I couldn't think of their names right now. Brother Don helped me on that. It's the McGurk family. Anybody here ever knew the McGurks? The McGurks, they lived on Pennington Road. In fact, Kathy was baptized at Deer Creek on their property. Kathy, Kathy Kosky was. The McGurks... I thought they had 16 kids. They had a, a signpost out front with their names, and every time they'd have a, a, a child, they would take and put another, uh, another board up on the, the pole with the name of their child. And I can remember driving by, and they would have all 16 uh, names of their children up there. And when I told Laura that, that they had 16 kids, and by the way, Laura, I found out since it was only 15, but when I told Laura that they had 16 kids, she said, great, mom is halfway there. <laughs> it's only 15 that they had. Brother Don said, I don't know if they're still living or not. So I went back and Googled and found the obituary of Mary Page McGurk. She passed away in 2004, 2009, her husband in 2004. But it was interesting what one of the sons said about his mother in the obituary. He said, even though we had 15 kids in the house, even though there were 15 kids there, mother always had room for one more child. Mother always made a bed for one more person. Mother always had room for one more child and said, but mother had a rule within our house had two rules for her children and other children that came that they were responsible first of all for cleaning up for themselves and that they agreed that they had a job or some chores to do in that house they had a dairy farm some of you grown up on farms and you know there's always plenty of work to be had and he said that was good for us her kids are now probably in their 70s but they look back upon God using their mother in a special way. God has blessed you with the tremendous responsibility in the day in which we live of working and doing a good job. Colossians chapter 3 says, whatsoever we do, that's for all of us, but it's especially for young men. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily is unto the Lord. You may say, well, I really don't like it. I believe that verse gives us the prescription right here that whether we like it or not, we need to act like we do. We need to pray that God would give us the right attitude. We need to realize that God is our boss. 
And that when we do a good job, that ultimately we do have bosses here. But when we when we do a good job, that ultimately it's the Lord that we're attempting to please and to serve. I truly believe that it's God that provides the opportunities for us. And I want to just toss this out. I believe that God provides opportunities for us. And and this is just an encouragement for young men right here. My experience has been, and the scriptures in Proverbs teach, that there are blessings for the diligent. There are blessings for those that rise up early. Brother Bradley used to say that that, uh, men uh, or people usually don't have a problem getting up on time. It's that they have a problem going to bed on time. Best way to learn how to get up early is to go to bed early. If you called me last night after 8 o'clock, I didn't answer the phone. I was worn completely out, and I was in bed by 8.30 last night. That's what enabled me to get up early this morning. Did you know that I found that a lot of the opportunities that God sends our way is early in the morning? It is. And you know what? While other folks are sleeping in, 10, 11, 12 o'clock... If you're up early in the morning, it'll be amazing how that God will put opportunities in your path to pursue. Pray that God will bless you to be diligent. Quit you like men. The third, the fourth one. Be strong. Be strong. We've got a young man that we just baptized that is uh, mighty strong. Jensen. Uh, he works at it. Well, here we're taught to be strong as a young man. But Paul tells us that your strength is to be not in yourself. You can't stand against the fiery darts of Satan. You can't stand against temptation. You can't be the right kind of young man in and of yourself. You're not going to get your strength from uh, the internet. You're not going to get your strength from the television. You're not going to get your strength from yourself. To be a godly young man, you're going to get your strength from the Lord. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, he says, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And then he goes down, and you can read that in in, uh, Ephesians chapter 6. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And he begins to talk about the entire armor of God, and I would encourage you to go and read that. The last one that he mentions is that... He says, watch you, be on watch, stand fast in the faith, equip yourselves and quit you, gird up your loins like a man, be strong. And then the last one, and it almost seems like it's out of place. He said, let all these things be done with charity. I thought, how is that possible? 
that you put on the whole armor and you're ready to fight and stand against the wiles of the devil? How do you equip yourself like a man? How do you gird up your loins as a man? And then you do things with charity? First Corinthians chapter 13 says that's love in action. Ephesians chapter 5 and chapter 6, it describes ably and adequately how that a husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. We might see some examples of godly husbands loving their wives. We might see examples of men in the church that are compassionate and concerned but if we long for an example at all, whether it be in our own life or, or in those around us, the best example that we could possibly hope to have is that of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That everything that He did, He did it because He loved us. He did it because of His charity towards us. We cry for grace and mercy. And we have a great God. Why is this so important? As we walk through the streets of New York City, as we look at individuals on the television, as we meet people that we come in contact with, where are we going to get the prescription and the outline? Of fulfilling the role of a godly young man. But in his word. Dads and moms have a tremendous responsibility. To give you the example and teach you. How to be a man. You may be in a setting that you don't have. Maybe the fatherly example that you would maybe like to have had. But every one of us here have the perfect example of Jesus Christ. And even if our natural fathers were missing the mark in one area or another or in many areas. It's not an excuse for us. Because we have the example of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You have a tremendous charge. It's not from me. It's from the Lord. Pray that God will bless you to be the most godly young men. Pray that you'll stand strong in the faith. Pray that you'll be a godly husband and a godly father. A godly employee. Pray that God will open the doors of opportunity for you in where you should work in the workplace. Pray that God will use you. You've got your life ahead of you. Rest of us here are on the down, downward slope of the hill, aren't we? I mean, really. I, I, I find, uh, I, I, I enjoy running with Sister Perry because she's 50 years older than I am. 45 years older, that gap is narrowing. But it, it makes me feel like that I still have a, a whole lot of time left. But even at that, we're probably on the, on the downward side of the slope. You're on the upward side. God can use you to make a difference in this church right here. He can use you to make a difference in his kingdom 
Maybe he'll call you to preach. I think what he's simply saying right here is take your role seriously. Take it seriously. Realize that this is a calling from God. And try to fulfill that calling to the very best of your ability. And when you finish your course, maybe you'll be able to say like the Apostle Paul, I fought a good fight, I've kept the faith, and I've finished the course. Don't waste your life. You'll wake up like me and be, push, be looking at 60 years of age, not too far down the road. And you'll look back and you'll, you'll have a lot of regrets. Pray that God will use you and bless you to not have regrets upon your life. But that you'll be used by the life that you have to make a difference. God's given each one of you, each young person here. You're all different. Thank goodness that we're not all the same. But God has given you each one individually special gifts to be used in his church, in his kingdom, and to fulfill the role of a godly young man. Quit ye. Gird up your loins. Be a man. May God bless you.